In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. So, you know, it's not about the numbers of people. It's about the quality of these relationships. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and as always, I'm here with Mr. Faithful. Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good. Hey, man. I'm excited to get this guy on the show today. He's got uh, years and years of experience. He's in the from the education field as a sociologist and a superintendent and a teacher. And he uh, wrote a book addressing what I think is the Achilles heel of men, relationships. Mm-hmm. And so specifically relationships with other dudes. Yeah. How do you have authentic real relationships with guys. This is an issue that I think guys don't talk about. Uh, it's an issue that outside of the church, it's never talked about. But uh, I think it's really, really important for us as guys to have people who have our back. It literally will bring a longer life to a man who has close relationships. And so, Goes right in line um, with my man word. I oh, know you're going to ask. Well, I'm going to assume it's not the word back. I'm going to go with the word relationships. Well, that's good, but I chose connections. Oh, you know what? That's actually in his book, too. I actually yeah. have a question about that's that. That's where I got it, yeah. Oh. So those connections are so important, man. I've, yeah. seen, I've seen so much... Uh, devastation once a guy goes rogue. Goes rogue. Uh, and he's not around those dudes that are going to call him up. Yeah. yeah, but maybe he's around somebody else that's not of the male persuasion, and destruction is around the corner. It's amazing how fast guys go off the grid. A guy can be in church serving God, and he has a marriage hiccup, and he's just gone. He's off the he's off the grid, and yeah. and a lot of that is because he has no intimate or close relationships with other dudes, other yeah. bros, other guys he's locking shields with. So hey, before we get into our interview with David, do you have a shout out for us from iTunes? I do. This one is from 
one seven four three nine zero. Jenny, Jenny, who can I turn to? Eight six seven five three. Sorry, sorry, yeah, couldn't d- help myself. Different, different number. Couldn't help myself. Yeah, you know who you are. You're all obscure with this number here, but I think you apparently know Jim from Youth Group at the NAS. No way. Yeah. What so does he say? He just says you have amazing hair, and no, he just said loves the podcast. And Jim, it is so great to see where God has taken and led you since youth group at the NAS. Wow, and we're going back 20 years. Episodes and that was pretty, and he loved it. So, Oh, too. That is too funny. Well, I'd like to see who this mysterious man is, but that's cool, man. Hey, I want to bring our guest on. We've got to, I want to give him as much time as we can. Uh, my new friend, David Smith. He is a youthful, 76 years old, lives in suburban Chicago with his beautiful wife, Sue Ann. They've been married since the year I was born. They've been married 54 years. If that does not make you're an old guy. (laughs) I never, no, no, no. We we would say elder statesman. Elder statesman. We don't say old guys. We want to give you the respect that you've earned. So uh, David combines (laughs) a lifetime of personal experiences, the research skills of a sociologist, and his Christian faith to create a book. For men, that's a guidebook helping men build better relationships. He's a former public school superintendent, high school and college teacher. He's now a conference speaker. It's a pleasure to bring our new friend on, David Smith. David, how are you doing, man? Doing doing well. Appreciate being with you guys. Thanks. Well, it's just really cool to have guys like you who are you know uh, further along in their journey uh, to mo- who are modeling this this idea of finishing well of fighting and, and going for it and uh, just keep charging and so there are so many guys out there who retire at 60 and coast but obviously you're a man in the arena getting it done so thank you for being that guy well i appreciate that comment you know i, I i've searched the scripture there's nothing about retirement and scripture there, there's, there's a verse that something about uh Come apart and rest a while, but I don't know. That might mean an afternoon. Plus, my golf game stinks, so you know. Here we are. Yeah, you've get- the, the goal. The goal really is to just to add value. As long as you know you're out there uh, meeting with guys, and if anything, the problem uh, is worse than it's been through the years. We've we've got a you know you kind of at the head of the show here. You you were talking about it. We we uh, we have some real issues with men in America. Here. Well, so you say the problems as bad as it's been or worse it's been in years. As a sociologist, what do you mean by that? Well, we're you know you go twenty feet in any direction and you're a virtual stranger. Yeah, uh, our families are our families are breaking down. You know all about social media and yeah the uh, the influx of uh, technology and all. But some of the numbers uh, that have been bad in the past are actually getting uh, worse. Although I'm not a scientist in that area, but you can look at everything from from uh, death rates, you mentioned that guys are dying sooner. They're not. They're not having as much fun. More importantly, they're not contributing as much as they ought. They're in. They're in jail in larger numbers, uh, and they're staying there. They're not contributing to their families. Uh, they're into porn. I was at a men's conference uh, not terribly long ago, and half the booths set up on the side were related to trying to help guys with pornography. For heaven's sakes, it's just. It's uh, the, the the this culture. This culture seems to encourage uh, girls to become women much more than it does uh, boys to become men. We, we, we form 
tribes and we form uh, alliances, but we don't form friendships very well. And that, and I don't see anything really distinguishable within our churches. It's just, uh, it's, it's not going well. In fact, the numbers, uh, my son and I were at a, a men's Bible study the other night, and it was, it's a smaller group than it was a, a year ago. We're finding that, uh, I don't know what the exact numbers are, you guys may know, but it was something like one or two and five are actually uh, adult men are in church on any given uh, weekend uh, these days. It's not going well. And women in our lives uh, are aware of it and uh, will, will tell us about it. And uh, the reactions that I'm getting by interviewing, uh, talking to especially strangers. It's interesting to, uh, speaking with strangers. They're so candid and forthright with you. Uh, but uh, uh, Christian women, Christian and, and are not Christian women, are telling me the problems that they have with their men, and it's it, it, there's uh, it, it's consistent across different uh, ethnicities, across uh, income levels, across different religions. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a, a, a concern in our culture. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, you know, what we've done is we've had to draw a distinction between males and men. We think they're different. You know, you had said you said that girls versus guys and understanding when they are men or women. With girls, they have a menstrual cycle, so they have something physical saying to them, "It's time to be a woman." But men don't. So, what can we do in your in your sociological expertise? What can we do as a society to help men realize that there is a line of demarcation that says it's time to transition from boy or male to man? Yeah, well, you know, we I had a, a a pastor actually criticized me the other day when I was talking. He was saying I'm moving towards and, and, <laughs> androgyny, the idea of, of blurring the sexes. And that's not it at all. But we spend so much time on what's masculine or even what's feminine. And I'm convinced that uh, if we would look more at what's positive and what's negative, we might find that uh, there's not all that much that... that uh, differentiates men from men. You know, we got this Y chromosome. It's guys who determine the, the, the uh, birth of a child. And we've been blaming women for, for uh, what, what goes, what they think goes wrong for, for uh, centuries. <laughs> but, you know, you, you look at our culture and you look at the Bible. And I was very surprised to see all this stuff about relationships in the, in the Bible. And the, uh, when, and it's one of the reasons I sat down and, 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 wrote who's who's got your back and the, the by the way the answer to that that self-sounding question is whose back do you have you know i mean do you go into a relationship and uh do you go even go into a room you know we we can we can meet people in the first three uh two three minutes we form lasting uh, uh opinions of people and, and they oftentimes don't hold up but i think you know related to related to your question in a way i think we can drill down and look in scripture and we can find out you know th there are biblical principles and we might talk about some of them but basically the life of christ yeah. you know you can the, 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 G, did jesus live his life the way we do are we preoccupied with belongings uh, do we have a, a an emphasis upon on materialism i think there's a i think it's in luke uh, 12, I'm not sure, but the, the, the parable, the rich fool, you know, that whole thing, that it's a lifestyle that makes no, no sense to God at all. You know, when, when, when Jesus had a concern, he would turn to people. He would ask for things. You know, we're stingy receivers as men. We think yeah. we can 
go it alone. I like to think of the the uh, the image of a of an old movie. I, one of my, I'm a Western guy. I love Western. And there there was one years ago, uh, High Noon. Gary oh, yeah. Cooper was the actor. I, I I don't remember the character's name, but here he takes on the uh, enemy, um, the bad guys who come to town, and uh, every every other guy is cowering behind saloon doors. And Gary Cooper has to do it. He's the sheriff, and he has to take it on all, all by himself. It's a it's an unreality. That's an image that we say that's that's the kind of guy that we we should be, and that's just it's just not there that not there at all. In, in Galatians somewhere it says we should bear one another's burdens, and mm. there are different places where it says that there's an implication of of dependence. And we feel we need to do it alone, and we don't do it well. We don't do solo very well. You know, if our wives or our, our loved ones uh, go out of town and we're home for a weekend, we screw it up. You know, we eat too much. <laughs> we drink too much. We don't we don't do stuff well. We don't do solo very well. And uh, somebody asked me the other day, what, what's the you know, how can how can uh, how can we and maybe it was really your question. And beyond my book of who's got your back, you know, how do you how do you learn how to be a, a friend? What my my short answer is. Look at the women in your life. It's amazing how well they 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 do this. One of the one of the starts for this book. My wife and I were moving out of town. We were, I think we were moving to Indianapolis, and we had a garage, big garage there. You know, get rid of the, the stuff we should have gotten rid of before. And uh, uh, Sue Ann has all these these tearful uh, goodbyes and these hugs and these just joyful times and promises to stay in contact and all that. And I got these perfunctory yes, see, man. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And I was wondering, is this me or is it all guys? And uh, I'm convinced it's it's all all guys. And I don't see any uh, or most guys or maybe some ex- exception. But uh, the the uh, the thing that stresses me even more is I, 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 I don't see anything that's really distinguishable within the faith, within within our Christian faith. I don't see guys performing much better there. And it's so important for them their own mental health, their own spiritual health, but even more so for the people who they they can minister to, they, they, with whom they they live and love. You know, it's not about finding skills. You know, sometimes I'll do a thing on leadership uh, if I get a chance with, with uh, people, with guys. And, you know, the skills that make for a good leader are the very same kinds of skills that make for a good father or a good husband. Uh, a good community leader, a, a good person at church, interacting with other people. It's 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 these skills that we find in Scripture and we find in good common sense in the world that we live in. I found it in talking to hundreds of strangers. I had a delightful time talking talking to people about how you, how do you run your life. But ultimately, when it comes when it comes down to it, it seems it seems to me that it's about the, about the way Jesus lived his life, mm-hmm. and you know. Uh, when he was when he was stressed or when he was uh, afraid, he would call people. He said, "Would you would you spend some time with me? Can we sit here tonight? And can I talk to you? Can I sit close to you and talk to you about all of this?" And uh, you know, if he needed something, he was not afraid to ask ask for for something. Uh, he he was he was willing to distinguish between you know sometimes you know we all I might get criticized and that's okay for. Uh, saying, "Why well, I can't? I can't. I don't have the time or the emotional energy to befriend all the people that come into my life." Well, Jesus didn't do that, and we don't need to do that. The people who do come into our life, we we can we can leave them feeling better than maybe we greeted them. 
my wife likes to say sometimes that, you know, it's not, not your, your great wisdom and what you share with somebody, but it's how you made them feel. And, uh, you know, that, so, you know, the Lord related to the crowd much differently than he did within the 12. But within the 12, he dealt with groups, you know, differently as well. Well, I really like what you're saying. You know, you talk about Jesus in John 13, 34 through 35. He said, this is how they will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And he said that after washing the feet and after Judas left. He waited. And then you had quoted earlier Galatians 6, 2 that says, carry each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. And so this is the key thing is we want to imitate Jesus and what he said. And and so you wrote this book. Your book is called Who's Got Your Back? So I my question from a sociological point of view, because that's, that's the, the angle you're coming from, why a book of all the things you could have written, why a book on relationships for men? And as a, as a Christian man, do you find that you struggle in this area as well? Is that, was that the catalyst for the book? Yeah, my, uh, I've had, I have some of my friends say, well, you don't have many friends, so you got a lot of time to write a book. I always thought that was kind of interesting. Oh, were they but serious? In way, <laughs> but in a way, we speak the truth uh, sometimes in jest. And, uh, yeah. you know, that's true. I, I, I'm not the, the perfect example of this. I struggle with this. I've had some people in my life who, who have uh, chosen to, to leave the relationship. Now that's a that's a real struggle when you know somebody that you think has been a friend and even though it's it it doesn't ambush you as a total surprise because you see the relationship struggling along the way but friendship is you know it, I'm I'm on the journey this is an adventure from for me as well but I, I think I think if I got your question earlier I'm convinced that if we don't get this right if we don't get the relationships right we're not going to be worth much. We're going to be. We're we're not going to contribute much, whether it's at church or in our civic responsibilities or our at work. You know, we're not going to feel good about ourselves. We're always going to be. You know. You know, what's in it for me? Uh, you know, the concept of a. You know, we, we we'll go into a room and we expect people to pay attention to us rather than for us to be ministering to other people. It's uh, it, it's a journey that if we don't get this right to some degree. Uh, it it, uh, it doesn't get better. You know, you can't, it, it just, it, uh, we, we have, we have numbers that are getting worse rather than better. And if there's a sin within our evangelical or our Christian world, I think it's, we're largely indistinguishable from the larger culture when it comes to relationships and maybe some other things as well. And we're unfortunately where we are distinguishable, distinguishable, it's not always a positive thing. You, you know, it's you made a comment that I want that you, you inspired a thought here. You said when you go into a room, are you trying to minister to others? Have them minister to you? You know, years ago I read a book. I've read this book three times. It's by a guy named Dale Carnegie called "How to Win Friends and Influence People," and it was yeah. so good. And I, you you pulled something right out of his book, so you must have read it. He said, "When you if you want to be a brilliant conversationalist." Just ask the other people questions because they don't care about you. They care about themselves. Yeah. And if we can yeah. have our focus on relationships be outward and what we can give, I think that's a great step with a man forming lasting relationships. What are your thoughts about yeah. that? Yeah, 
Oh, that is so true. And, you know, the, some of the greatest insights are the simplest. And I, yeah. I have looked at that book and I've quoted from it, I think, in uh, uh, Who's Got Your Back. But that is so true. And some of the, you know, the, the uh, uh, if we watch the women in our lives, for example. You we'll said that twice them. now. It's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that they, they give eye contact. They smile. They'll learn a person's name. They'll ask something about them. It's not always, what do you do, man? You know, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's relational. You know, I got a call from a guy the other day, and uh, 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 he said, uh, David, let's go out for, for lunch. We've got stuff to talk about. And I said, well, what's up? You know, we, it, it wasn't about the, the fact that let's just get together because we want to be together. We've, men, we got to have an agenda. It seems like that's to me. that's true. Women, their default is the relationship. As men, our default is purpose and mission. Like I just uh, called a guy the other day. I said, "Hey," I texted him. I said, "Hey, let's get together and have coffee and connect." And he called his wife and he said, "What did you say to him?" <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I just want to hang out, man. You've done nothing yeah. wrong. <laughs> but Isn't that amazing. You've said that a yeah. couple times, wow. even in the early parts of this uh, interview that we can learn from our women. Yeah. You know, so is, so this th so this is really good because I think a lot of times uh David we confuse uh a friendship with something else. Ralph, you quote Ralph Waldo Emerson in your book as saying a friend is a person with whom we can be sincere. And then on page 110 of your book you said, quote, friendship involves concern and involvement with the well-being of another friendship so defined seems hard to find. And in that, you distinguish between a friendship and an alliance. Can you yeah. articulate what that meant? Well, an alliance is more of a, of a, a task-oriented relationship. It's off, off, often narrow in some way. It's win this game or it's get this contract uh, or it's uh, have, have, a, uh, have a drink at the local bar whatever it might be, you know, the, uh, I asked my wife once, what, you know, what's, what's the, de what's your definition of uh, friendship? I'm writing this book. I want something, yeah. you know, a good paragraph here. She looked at me, smiled, and she gave me one word. She said, Lois. Oh, are you? I thought that was really, I thought that was really kind of cool, you know, cause that was holistic. It was a, a, an entire wonderful person. And uh, I don't know if I ever would have done that. I would have had tried to be fancy in some way. Yeah, for sure. But that told me a lot because the people, the guys that I know in my life, I often know parts of them. I don't, I don't really know, you know. And it's not that uh, you know they all. You hear people say, "Well, is there somebody who can uh, you could call at three o'clock in the morning if you have a real problem?" Well, you know, I don't know how. Maybe that is a good a good question, but. Just basically, who can you really count on? Who, yes. Where is some accountability? Who who can? Uh, is there anybody that in your life? I like to think of myself because I can be I can be kind of a hard dude sometimes. Is there anybody that can say, "Hey, David, you know, you need to get a get a handle on this, man. You're 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 not you're not doing that right. You're doing too much or too little of something. You're doing being too greedy or you're consuming too much or your focus is too much on." Uh, uh, you know, making money or whatever it might be. And I, you know, do I allow that? Do I, do I, am I a stingy receiver when it comes to uh, that, that type of stuff? I find that ladies, women 
are are more open to that. And they're they're open to so many things. You know, if you just observe the, the, the and I've got a chapter in here in this book privately written to ladies. I hope the guys read it. Yeah, too. it's at the very women end. Read more, read more than men do. But you know, women do they the little things. You know, they they write letters more. You know, they 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 you know, and women sometimes will say, "What can I do to help my man?" And I say, "You know, can you encourage him to write a letter? Do you encourage him to make that phone call? Something simple. It can't be too grandiose, or it's just simply not." It's not going to happen. But if and he hasn't talked to a friend in six months, what's wrong with a phone call? You know? my, my wife has a real dear friend, and they're constantly giving each other little gifts. I'm like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> you know, but it's just their way of go. saying, I'm thinking about you. Now, you said something earlier I want to ask you about because it wasn't in your book, but you just said it. It might have been in your work book, and maybe I missed it. But you said that that in your relationships, you know, quote, parts of your friends. Now, for me as a man... I'm very compartmentalized in how I live my life, right? So I've got my mountain biking friends. I've got my hunting buddies. I've got my ministry partners. So I have all these guys, and they're very, very involved in an aspect or a compartment of my life. Do you yeah. think that we as men limit our relationships to this contextual version of the compartment we've put these guys in? You've, you, you ask it as a question, but you made a great statement. And uh, that's clearly true. I don't know if this is an illustration or not, but I, I, I belong to a men's Bible study. And uh, those guys in there, they don't know that this book was just published a couple of weeks ago. I, I don't feel comfortable. I feel you know, I, even telling them about it. They don't know this side of me. What? And, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it, that's we we are. What's the term? De departmentalized. I think that was your Com word. Compar so compartmentalized. Yes. Yeah, compartmentalized. The uh, uh, you know, I, I have people in my life that are the the work oriented people who who I I still relate with uh, from from uh, uh, some former positions in several communities, uh, but they they see me as a uh, school school administrator, for example. And then I I have guys that uh, in in the neighborhood or you know on the homeowners association that I serve on or whatever, and you know it, they're just different parts of you. I'm still. Uh, fighting the battle with uh, uh, trying to lose a few pounds, and so I've got that group out there. By the way, they're 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 wonderful because there's a you're on the same adventure together. You're you're uh, struggling together. You admit that you got a problem together. You're trying to solve it together. We don't have many groups like that in our lives, even within our spiritual realm. Well, it seems to me. So okay, I'm going to go back and and ask you. So when uh, so I've written nine books, and whenever wow. you write a book, you're really putting you're really making yourself vulnerable to your readers. Yeah. And so, but you've written this book and your Bible study guys don't even know about it. Is That's that, right. is that because you have a fear of being vulnerable to these people or what, what, well, what is the motivation yeah. I, there? You know, and, and you talk with a publicist or an editor or so on. And I, you know, maybe it's my, from my generation, but it just seems prideful to me in a sense to be, ah, okay. to, uh, to be uh, marching down that, uh, that lane a little bit. I don't, I don't know. And uh, publicists will say, well, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. And uh, it just, uh, that's just a little, it's hard for me. And, you know, writing the book, by the way, some, they, you know, I talk about my faith, obviously yes. in there, and I'm, but I'm talking about how I came to Christ. I, I, I find that hard to do. Uh, yeah. And uh, why is that true? It, it should be simpler, but I'm, I'm exposing who I am to some degree. 
And uh, I've, uh, I've had uh, a, a couple of strangers, even in the last week or so. I was at Panera, and this guy who I've known kind of casually, he said, David, I've got your book. I'm learning about you. Tell me about your faith. He's a Catholic Catholic uh, uh, brother, and uh, uh, I found it a little hard until he, he was drawing me out. And I'm supposed to be the one that's the expert on this relationship. Thing. Yeah. But he, he was, and it was so cool. But I found that when I wrote this, and I wrote stuff in this book, that I normally don't talk about, it, it told me something about myself. So, I mean, it really is a journey, and it's not. I, I, and I'm very sincere when I say that I'm not the I'm not the expert, but I'm but I'm drawing upon experts and people from different uh, realms of life and people who have had experiences. And I you know I think it's kind of a cool book, not because I, I wrote it directly, but because of all the resources and stuff that's in it. Well, you, I was really impressed with how many stories. I don't think I've read a book with so many stories since some of Mark Batterson's stuff. But you made a comment about writing, about that it exposes who you are. And it seems to me that when we expose who we are, it's one of the ways we connect by saying, here's who I am. I'm going to expose myself to you. And in your book, you wrote, quote, this is out of your book, one of the greatest indicators of our emotional and spiritual health is how well we're connected with others. Then you go on to say, we fail in our personal and work experiences often because of our inability to connect with others. So when, uh, what does it look like, David, uh, to connect well with others? When you write about connecting well, what is a man, a man who connects well, when you see that man connecting well with others, what does he look like? What is he doing? And how do we know if we're not doing well? Yeah. You know, that's interesting. You know, it's it's so often we think that we connect well, especially at work because of our great expertise or whatever. But it's not where people don't function well together. It's rarely because of a lack of expertise. It's frequently yeah. because of, of inability to get along with other people. True. I've for years have worked in uh, all around the world, literally in uh, Middle East, Russia, all over the place in the United States in uh, doing executive searches. And finding people with expertise is is not as hard as finding people who fit well within a certain context, and yeah. that, that you know that that's uh, that's that's a journey. You've got you've got to have that, uh, uh, or, or or you you fail. Come back at me with that. There was a there was another component of what you just said that I wanted to respond to. And well, you know here. what's interesting is when I look for people who I'm going to bring on my team, whatever level whether it's yeah. a preparing for an event or I'm getting ready to hire a guy right now, I look for four C's. I look for commitment. I look for competence. I look for yeah. their character. But I, but maybe the biggest downfall that, that guys miss is chemistry. I've, yeah. We've got to have relational chemistry. And so w when we talk about connecting, we talk about chemistry. What does it look like when you see a man who's pretty darn good at connecting with other guys in relationships. Well, they're very, uh, they're very, uh, uh, let me tell you where one, where it wasn't first. The, uh, I was, I was uh, assigned the responsibility to uh, fill an executive position and the board that I was dealing with that hired me uh, wanted a uh, retired uh, army general, very capable uh, position uh, and they needed somebody that they felt had a, a strength and a background in this particular industry. 
And we brought that individual in there. And for the first time, a very talented, bright person. But they were dealing with issues such as uh, union contracts and other things that they were not familiar with. And it didn't it didn't really work well. And we, we tried to fix that situation because we were brought back in and didn't want to do the search all over again. But we've found in that setting and in other settings, it's people who live in the nuance, frankly. It's folks that don't have a, a black and a white uh, strictly um, defined world that they live in. They're more open to people who have differences than they do. They're willing to listen we don't listen well in this culture. You know, we teach uh, reading and writing and speaking, but we don't teach anything about listening. And that's a critical component. We need people who are, are respectful to others. We need people who are willing to be re re uh, respond and, and to have other people help them. To, you know, if I, if I acknowledge that I, uh, I need your insights on something, I'm, I'm showing a vulnerability, you know, so relationships have to be reciprocal and frequently we're not we're not into uh being reciprocal it's, it it seems to me we we've got to be candor candid so often where we have this falseness about oh you're doing this great or you're doing that great there may be a time where you need to earn the right to be candid but without candor in a relationship it's not going to it's clearly not going to go from the acquaintance to the buddyship to anything resembling friendship along the way. Well, you talk about candor several times in your book, and I've never read about candor, but I'll be honest with you, and Dale Dale, and I have talked about this a lot. I need, if a guy who has my back, if he's not candor, does not have candor, he's a coward. And so I have to have guys who have my back enough to call me out. And if they, and with Dale and my relationship and my accountability partner is a, a guy who's on my board, what I beg them to do is to be candid with me and call me out because friends that don't do that are actually enemies. They're not friends. Well, yeah. you, you, and, and you as the in, individual need to respond well to that. We need to have self-disclosure. Yes. It needs to be appropriate. You know, it's, it's not like you're spilling your guts to everybody, but there needs to be some place somewhere where you can be more honest. You can get off your horse, so to speak, and be, be more, more forthright with people because you need to learn and grow. And we never, we never out, never outgrow that. You know, you're always on, uh, you know, Paul talked about, I push toward the mark. Yes. And, you know, we're never, we never arrive. And the journey is as important sometimes as what, what we think of as, as the, uh, the, the arrival, but there, I, I, I'm here to suggest in, in uh, men in, in this book that, that there, there's got to be somebody somewhere in your life. And women tell me, you know, I can't be, I can't be everything to this guy. I can't be the, meet all of his emotional needs. I was on a, a Christian radio station once and the, the interviewer told me, are you trying to undermine the family by, by creating this friendship thing? And I said, I'm not trying to create anything. I'm just, I, and uh, what, what women tell me, the people in the family tell me, is that they want their men to be uh, friendful, to have friends, to bring friends into the, how do you do this? Well, they say, we got to open up our home. We, I want them to be comfortable bringing, bringing friends in. I want to encourage them to, 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 uh, to be with friends, to, to form friendships, to um, take the time. Guys don't want to spend time. You know, we want, we want relationships, but we don't want to invest any time. Well, you can't, 
you can't do it that way. We push and pull in, in this because we're not quite sure. I had a, a guy the other uh, the other day, I think it was it here, I'm not quite sure, but the comment what I remember well, he said that I'm not going to be here long, so I'm not interested in forming uh, friendships. <laughs> Forthrightness. I needed it. I needed his proxy at a, a community meeting a vote. And uh, his, his thing was, is that I'm not going to be living in the community long. So, I'm, you know, I'm, it, 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 you, you, won't, you won't get to know me. Well, that's that's unfortunate. Well, you know, it's interesting. First of all, let's take a break and hear from our sponsor real quick. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with the mission to inspire men towards becoming their best version and changing their world. Every man in the arena matters. Our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men is a great way to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today. Because of the passion to see men get out of the bleachers and into the arena, Jim wants to offer some powerful resources to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of the field guide. It's Jim's 365-day bathroom book for men. It's the study of manly words in the Bible, illustrated with great stories. This is also a great resource for all our arena men. We'll also add you to our weekly equipping blast, including Jim's personal blog, prayer requests, and weekly boots-on-the-ground mission. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those anonymous voices in the bleachers pleading for you to enter the fight? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. You know, it's interesting. We define hell as many things. Hell is the absence of God. Uh, In the movie Platoon, hell was described as the... um, uh, uh, the inability to reason. I think hell is isolation. In in hell, there's an isolation component. So so in heaven, there's a relational component. And you know, we keep going back to women. And one of the things that hit me was women. When you can tell physically when women are connected relationally, their bodies connect physically through their menstrual cycle. It's just crazy how well the female body integrates relationships. But for we as men, we have to really work at it. I want to go back uh, to a word you use because I really thought this word was intriguing, and I'd like to have you explain it again. And the word is nuanced. So this word nuanced in relationships, can you walk me through that again? Well, um, we, if you like football, I like to think of sometimes responding like a linebacker. I've got to, I've got to look at what's coming at me, and adapt. You know, do I, do I compromise, um, or, or am I, or does it always have to be my way? You know, the um, uh, it, nuance to me is first of all, if, if I, if, if I can't really weigh in and fix something, I, I, I don't have to increase, I don't have to increase the volume related to it. The, there are things that I, that I don't particularly appreciate, uh, even in the lifestyle of, of, of people who are dear to me. But I find that if, I, if, if I've got a, a relative that, uh, that well, I don't know, they, they, uh, they're, they're heavy, they need to lose some weight, I can talk to them till I'm blue in the face and it's not going to change anything. You know, I, if, if they open to me and, and they, they're open and they ask for my advice, you know, and I, you know, I'll try to make sure I know what they mean, what the parameters are with that. But I just think oftentimes we need to spend the attention on what builds relationships, not what builds uh, tension and animosity. 
we're living in a, in a cultural war. We almost have civil war in America right now. Agreed. But there is so much that we, we do agree with that we can uh, function together on. And to me, that's a, that's an area of nuance. I had, I had a breakfast meeting in downtown Chicago the other day with a, with a I think he would allow me to say, a, a very liberal uh, university historian. And, I, and I'm none of those things, I don't think. <laughs> but we agree on so much. And we talk, We had a delightful conversation. You, you were talking about storytelling before. He pulled out of my book uh, the, uh, the, the, the uh, story I told about the Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. And what how a great story. This, this, this real serious tension. Yeah. And uh, they stopped talking to each other for decades. And Adams, late in life, says... Uh, yeah, he writes. He writes to Jefferson, and he uh, he puts some uh, seeds in the letter and sends it off, and says, "You know, we really ought to we really ought to explain ourselves to each other before we die." What a wonderful, what a wonderful story from two guys who found so much to disagree with, but they start. And so this friend of mine that I'm sitting with downtown Chicago, and he starts talking to me about that, and he wanted to give me some insights because he knows so much about uh, both these guys lives he taught early american history in, in some university here nearby and he's given me stuff but we talked about the stuff we agreed upon and the stuff we didn't agree upon and why focus totally on what you disagree on that's to me well, life life is nuanced well here's something that i, I wrote down and I, and I really believe this there's nothing in life worth the cost of a relationship and, and uh, this nuanced, I really appreciate that. Finding an, the definition is basically different distinctions or shades. And for me personally, I we live in a world that wants to make everybody vanilla. Don't talk about this person being a liberal. Yeah. Don't talk about this person being a conservative. You can't call him a chocolate thunder if he's a lineman on your team because he's Mexican. He may be offended. You can't call that kid white lightning. If he's, he's a white kid, he might be offended. My thought has always been... Acknowledge the distinction and celebrate it. And my wife, I just got to brag on her for a second. She's been a flight attendant about a year and a half. She just did a, a trip. And a, we're evangelical, conservative Christians. We're on the conservative spectrum in every aspect of our life. But half the time she, well, almost every time she flies, she's with somebody. I don't even know if it's LBGTQ, WXYZ, somebody from the yeah. gay community. And she had a wonderful meal with a young lady uh, last night in Philadelphia who's, who's married to another lady. And my wife has, is embracing this woman and hearing her story and hearing her brokenness. And my wife is sharing her story and her brokenness. And they were able to connect. Instead of saying, you're a, uh, you're a part of this uh, community that we don't agree with morally or you're a part of this political party that we don't agree with morally – I don't understand why we can't come together and celebrate what we do like about each other. You know, amen, amen to that. I had a, if I, if you don't, uh, another another lunch story. I, I met with a guy, my, my IT expert, who happens to be an atheist, one of the brightest guys I know. I always feel uh, I always learn from this guy, but he's an atheist. And I we we, we were talking about uh, the Big Bang and his end, and I was talking about how, that was really creation, but we needed yeah, exactly. <laughs> we anyway. 
the, I said, you know, what your belief system requires a lot more faith to believe in than oh, for my sure. belief system. And, for you know, sure. We went back and forth, and I almost sense maybe I'm making more out of it, but I, I almost sense a softening. And, and you know, I talked to him about uh, Pascal's uh, wager and all, and, and we, we, we went on and on. You know, there, what I mean by nuance, if I can come back to your question related to that in a way, you know, I remember reading as an undergraduate, uh, uh, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, mere meaning there's not all that much that is so essential in Scripture. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that we tack on that may not be all that terribly important, and yet it separates us as as people. I've always felt that there, you know, that that, uh, I often end end to talk sometimes with with, with people. I say, you know, what I'd like to share is that I believe that, that we are all created by God, that's that's essential um that we are secondly that we are benefactors benefactors of his redemptive love he loves us and god is god i am not god you know i love uh, verses like in in titus i think it is where you know not it's not by works of righteousness which we've done but according to his mercy he saved us we are benefactors yes his love and then and then lastly i think and thirdly um, that it's not about perfection, but we are responsible to God for our stewardship while we're here on earth. For sure. And, you know, to me, that's why work is important and it's enjoyable. Um, and, uh, you know, but those, that's about it. You know, the rest of it's kind of sideline stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, therefore you can be friends. With, I used to think, I wonder what you'd say. I used to think that for, for a guy to really have a friend that he's going to have to be, he's going to have to think pretty much the way I think that he's going to have to be a Christian. How else could I turn to him for advice and all that? I've kind of set that aside. The more I researched, uh, the more I researched for, for this book, who's got your back, the more, the uh, more some of that became nuanced and a little more difficult to, uh, to really, to really nail down, you know? Well, we live in a world when I was a young man, everything was black and white. You were conservative, you were liberal, you were evangelical, you were orthodox, you were uh, gay, you were straight. It was a beautiful life. It was completely black and white. And then as I matured and I realized, well, life isn't black and white. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of gray. And, you know, I, I, I do a speaking series with men called The Desolation of Isolation. And I am, I am um, I'm saddened by how much anger in Christian men lies just under the surface of phrases like CNN, uh, Democrat, you know, just the certain key words, the president and, and people just lose, they lose it. And it's, it's tragic to me that we can't rise above our prejudices or our predisposed biases to just build a relationship uh, with somebody who could uh, be a benefactor in our life, and then we could benefit from their life. So, in, in, in going back to your book, on page 35, you said something, I, I want to quote it, and uh, I want you to explain it. You said that American men are among the mo- those who have the highest rate of heart disease in the world and so how do, how do our relationships or isolation from them affect our heart? From your view as a sociologist, are there other factors that lead to this heart disease? What, what is your take on this? This is alarming. Well, yeah, it, it can't. Well, you know, it, 
it, it can be physiological, it can be uh, sociological, it can be psychological. The, uh, uh, I like the, you know, pe people used to say, well, yeah, men die earlier because, or, or get sicker earlier because they, uh, uh, they, they work harder and they have more stress. That's a lot, that's, that's, to me, that's, that's, uh, doesn't stand up for any kind of research, including, uh, uh, the, the Bible. Uh, uh, so a, an anthropologist by the name of Ashley Montague, uh, some time ago, I used to use it when I was, uh, teaching graduate classes, uh, the natural superiority of women, we find that the strength, if you want to talk about this biological strength, women stand taller. They can endure longer on the desert. You know, they, uh, they, they, uh, they, they, they live longer. Uh, and, and as they have the same type stress jobs that men do, uh, they still, they still live longer. And I, I, I think it's because the way they live, not the, not the fact of uh, biology at all, but guys just guys uh, uh, are alone, and I that does create heart disease. It's and, and stress stress at work and, and being too too demanding. You know we you know in Galatians I think it's the sixth chapter. I'm not sure you that that uh, there, there's a verse about bear one another's burdens. You know it implies fellowship and. Uh, we're one in Christ. You know, I talked to that, with that other verse that, it, that there's a dependence and a fellowship. We don't do that. We don't do that. Women tend to do that. We still have to, to crank it out pretty much uh, on our own. And it doesn't seem to um, work very well to, uh, to me. Uh, and I, the, the, the physiology, the, uh, uh, you, you see it. I've got some stories in the book about guys who, have had uh, literal hate, and they tend to, they tend to, uh, uh, there's one story about uh, two brothers who hated each other, and they died within hours of each other in the same hospital. Yeah, that Drove was the women in their lives crazy, of course, you know, and none of that's, none of that's necessary, and, and some of it's because of this extremeness, some of which you, you alluded to a moment ago, I, you know, the, the, uh, in our, in our culture today, you know, we, we, Sometimes we make uh, Faustian deals with the devil to try to accomplish something that's beyond us culturally. I, and I'm beginning to think, just one man's opinion, that maybe we need to pay more attention to where we can control something. Maybe we need to have more piety in our own lives and be more concerned about the small world that we live in and, and try to make that a better place, whether it's in church or our family or in civic uh, responsibilities. What, uh, with our fr friends, whatever, and be less concerned about world affairs or uh, presidential politics or wh whatever it might be, you know? Well, uh, Patrick Morley, in, in his research and his book, Man in the Mirror, he cites that one out of 18 men, so basically 20% of men in this world are not connected to, or to, are connected to a group. One out of 20 men are connected. I'm sorry, I screwed that stat up. In the yeah. church, that yeah. number is about half, one out of eight. And so that's yeah. still isolated. And I have to believe that our lack of relationships, uh, authentic relationships with other men, is killing us, literally killing us. You know, and it is a church, too. You know, yeah. I, I, you can you can walk down the hall. You know, I've attended a, a rather large church, and, you know, there's a sociology to, to, to size and, and all but you know, I've seen some of the same people, uh, and I'm as guilty as anybody. But I've seen some of the same people for months, if not years, and it's high, you know. And the most, and that's it. And the most you get to if you start talking to them uh, is, uh, "What do you do?" 
you know, yeah, yeah. And, you know, hi, wh- what do you do? And then, and then, then you, uh, you know, like in James where you, if the guy that's got the big ring or something, you put him in the front row or, you know, they got some money in their pocket or whatever. And so we, we typecast people based on their occupation. I mean, that, that's absolutely ridiculous, you know? Um, but we, but we do that. I'm beginning to think, I, I'm, I think, you know, our churches, we, we want to pray for all of our churches. I tend to think sometimes that uh, my son attends a very small church and everybody seems to know each other. And they, they, uh, if, and, and sometimes if they don't even see each other in, in church, they see each other in the community during the week. And that's built a, a camaraderie to some degree that uh, is, is attractive and, and probably spiritual and probably biblical in a, in a way. I mean, I don't know what's the best way to, to do this formation of how to do church, and there may not be one right way. But I thought that was, you know, I think that's kind of interesting, the way, the way we engage people. And I mentioned earlier, we make these lasting judgments, uh, even when we're proven wrong, when we first meet somebody, that if we get evidence to the contrary, that we find it hard to back away from what our, our initial our initial thoughts were, but we've got to find. And again, I'm, I, I think I'm, maybe I'm repeating, but you've got you've got to you've got to have somebody in your life. Jesus was closer to uh, Peter, James, and John, and he's closer to John than he was to Peter and James, and he's closer to those three than he was to the balance of the of the, of the group that uh, followed him. And, and, and that group was closer to him than he was to the, to the larger group. So, you know, it's not about the numbers of people. It's about the quality of these relationships. But even with those numbers, you know, it's how do we, make, how do we leave these people? How do we uh, make them feel? Not, not what great insights do, do we share with them, you know? And we can, you can meet, meet somebody. I, we've got a, a very changing community where I live. And we've got some uh, uh, ethnicities that I'm not all that familiar with, but I'm trying to find out. I mean, I may not form real close relationships, but I'm going to talk. If I see somebody on the street and I don't know them and they're watering their lawn or something, I'm walking my dog. uh, I'm going to I'm going to try to stop and at least say hello. And and that could be at the acquaintanceship level. I've got in in, uh, I've got got in my book, Who's Got Your Back? You know how to deal with folks at that. Uh, initial level too, you know, acquaintanceship level and about buddyship level. There are ways to live your life there that enrich not only your life, but the lives of other people. And I try to bring that on a, out in storytelling and so on. Well, you go, you in your book and, and even in our interview right now, you talk about doing relationships the way Jesus did. And, and I, I heard somebody say something years ago. It's been very challenging for me. Uh, I fail often in this area. But the question that was posed to me, when, you're, when you leave people, when you're done talking to people, do they walk away from that conversation thinking you're awesome or they are? And if they walk yeah. away from that conversation thinking, man, that Jim Ramos is awesome. Man, that David Smith, he's the guy. We've failed them. We've failed them. Yeah. And so in, so in yeah. your book, we, we're running out of time, but I do want to get this one point. You mentioned six specific emotional, major emotional needs and you and they are uh, belonging and love. Number two is accomplishment. Number three is meaning and purpose. Number four is freedom from guilt and fear. Number five is self-respect, and number six is understanding. Of these six, which of these do you think is most important for a man to give and receive? Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> 
I suppose if you have belonging, you might be you might be better uh, you might be better adjusted if you feel like you you really because if you belong, you 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 want to contribute. You're going to give more money. You're going to give more time. You're going to give more uh, focus. You're going to pay attention better. Uh, and if you don't feel you belong, I mean the whole the whole thing uh, doesn't uh, start very well. But I mean, but each any one of these, you know, you, if you uh, if you have uh, false guilt, for example, you may you it can degenerate into mental illness. Frankly, yep. Uh, I mean, there's all kind. Of, every one of these has a it's a, a critical thing. If you don't have meaning, if you don't have purpose, uh, you, you, the uh, you get you get derailed and you're drinking too much or what, whatever it is. I mean, we 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 we've got to get it together, or uh, you know, or it's, it, it's not going to work. And I try to tell stories in the in this book. By the way, there's a website, formingconnections.com, where I've got uh, articles that drill down on these survival needs that you just asked about that, that I've done from some magazines that talk a little bit about uh, what it's life like to live life in America today and, you know, that, that whole that whole journey. If, if, if you're I like that question. That's a cool question. I, I, I would probably <laughs> say belong, belonging. <laughs> so it's funny because I thought about this for me. I thought, what's the greatest of these that I can give another man? And for yeah. me, I believe the greatest gift I can give another man is number five, respect. If I give that give man respe- respect, 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 yeah. But well, the best, the res- thing you can get, I want yeah. you, I want to belong. So what you can give me is to belong. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. it's well, interesting. When you give respect, you give inherent worth and dignity. Yes. And God, that's a big deal. That's a good starter with guys, you know. And you never grow out. You never outgrow that need. Well, let's. So you, you know, you're onto something. No, I agree. I, I, so I want to end our our conversation today with uh, some some questions you ask people. So you're the expert. You're a Christian man. You're a sociologist. You ask people four questions, and uh, on page ninety you list them. And I think these are really important when you ask these questions. So. Uh, do you know these questions by heart? Do you remember these questions, or you want me to read no, them? No, I don't. So you <laughs> ask, you ask, you ask. Well, it, you know, in, in 250 pages, I can imagine forgetting a little bit here. You ask people four <laughs> questions: Who are the top five or six most influential people in your life? Yeah. Why are they so important to you? Do you possess? This is powerful. The same qualities that you've identified in them that that actually hurts a little bit. <laughs> And then number four, what trait do you most admire in others that you don't possess yourself? Why yeah. those questions? Well, what, hap- what happens is that uh, uh, we know, even if you're uh, a not well-connected soul, you know hundreds of people. You've met hundreds of people. I'll sometimes spend a whole uh, session with a group of people on this very question and ask them, you know, who are, who are the handful of people that are so important to you and, and what are those traits and then of course and why are they why are those traits so important and uh you know they, they some of the things we've already talked about you mentioned respect respect is always on on the list and acceptance you know do they do they you know do you feel accepted in that re- uh, relationship I, you know is there candor in that relationship um it, it, the the people who are so important to you are folks who who listen who listen and are, are attentive in the relationship. They're not just in a hurry to break in the conversation so they can tell you something. And em- empathy is a, is a critical thing. These, these are folks who really understand where, where you're coming from. And it goes on. We talked about 
compromise and so on. These kinds of things um, are, reappear in this very small group of people, you know. And then I like to go, uh, if, if I have time in an evening or whenever we're talking, is to is to drill down as to, you know, do we have these traits and how do we know? And do we have people who are accountable uh, that have some responsibility in our lives as we as we go about our, our, our daily journeys? You know, if, can I say this? That this time, you know, Jim, Dale, with, with you guys, this is the most important thing that I could be doing right now. I really mean that. And I hope you feel feel the same way. I'm talking to a group of people. I think it's next Wednesday night. I, that is the most important thing. I, I So often we're with folks that they're almost looking uh, through us or beyond, uh, you know, over our shoulder. You go into a meeting and at the reception after work and you, and you know, it's uh, you shake somebody's hand, but you're looking you're looking on to the next person to me. I, I I want to leave the impression that when I talk to somebody that that I want to be there, that uh, I want to learn from them. I, I I want to leave that brief moment or 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 a period of time better than they found it. And uh, you know, that takes a focus. And you know, that's. Uh, you know, and it may sound simple, but it's not simple. But we, to me, I want to work at that, you know. Wherever you go, be there. Yeah. That, <laughs> I like, wherever you go, be there. Yeah. I think so, Abe Lincoln said something about that. You know, uh, whatever you are, be a good one. You know? Yeah, I know my wife says it to me all the time. Hey, be here. <laughs> be here. Yeah. So, hey, how can our guys get your book, David? Well, it should be it should be everywhere. The uh, publishing house, it's a wonderful small house called Crosslink, uh, publishing crosslink.com. Uh, that's a fast way to get it. The book is, if it's not in a bookstore, and I, you know, it's, it may well not be, but it's online everywhere. And, you, you know, Amazon and all, all, all the rest of them. But Crosslink has uh, been, a, been a good outfit, and they, 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 uh, uh, they do a good job. And also, I think you can get it from my, my very modest website called formingconnections.com uh you can drill down there and and uh, get it too plus there's a contact link i'd love to get a note from somebody let me know what they thought of it or even you know how life's going you know hey i appreciate that and thanks so much for coming on our show sharing your wisdom sharing your book and so guys listen you may be thinking hey what's next we heard a lot of stuff about relationships let's get some boots on the ground here so here's here's your boots on the ground moment all right you ready for this Buy a buddy a cup of coffee or a cold one this week and just see how they're doing. Now, you need to warn them because they're dudes. Go, hey, I just want to go out and have a drink. I've got no agenda just to hang out because they're going to wonder what's wrong, what I do. Just go hang out. Have a conversation that doesn't center around a mutual hobby or sport. Just you getting to know your buddy on a deeper level. So we want you to do that, guys. And you can tell your wives that we said it's okay for you to go out and buy your buddy a cold one. So um, she'll let you go and have your good time. We'll also post our boots on the ground uh, on our equipping blast that we send out to thousands of guys around the country. You can subscribe around the world. That you can subscribe to it uh, at menofthearena.org. While you're there, uh, we'll shoot you a free copy of my electronic bathroom book for men. So make sure you guys do that. And while you're at it, Check out our Facebook forum with about 8,500 guys in there from 80 nations and our new website forum that has about 1,200 guys in it right now, Dale, 1,200 guys on our website forum. Yeah. 
And so, uh, guys, remember, we're a nonprofit crowdfunding organization. We exist to inspire you to become your best version. And because of a large group of generous financial champions, we're able to freely offer our resources like this podcast and our forums and all of our curriculum to active military missionaries and men in underdeveloped nations. You can find out how you can support this great cause at meninthearena.org. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Connect with a buddy. Grind it out. And be a man. Men in the arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.